This is Shi'ar Jeshub, coming from Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle and featuring the ministry of Pastor Greg Scalzo. Today, we are continuing a heavenly authority sermon on prophecy in the New Testament. And when we left off, Pastor had went into the book of Jeremiah, where the prophet proclaims the unpopular word, declaring the coming destruction of Judah by Babylon. And they turn on Jeremiah, and he says their everlasting confusion will not be forgotten, and it has not been. Future generations of Jews would hold Jeremiah as one of the greatest prophets. Isaiah, Jeremiah. Two of the greatest prophets. Why? Because his words came true. And no one wants to hear the type of message that Jeremiah is giving them. And there were other prophets in Judah at that time. If you turn to chapter 14, and you look back at chapter 14, first, let's read verse 10 and see the reason from God's viewpoint of why this is happening to Judah. Why are the Babylonians the enemy at the gate? Why are they coming? Why are they going to have any success against Judah? Verse 10, thus says the Lord to his people, thus they have loved to wander. They have not restrained their feet. Therefore the Lord does not accept them he will remember their iniquity now and punish their sins. Then the Lord said to me, Do not pray for this people for their good. When they fast, I will not hear their cry. And when they offer burnt offering and grain offering, I will not accept them. But I will consume them by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence. So God has set his mind on this. He will bring destruction upon his own people. Is that his heart's desire? Is that what God wants? He sits around wanting to punish his own people? No. He gives clear reason here. This has gone on for over time, over centuries. They haven't restrained their feet. There's a lack of restraint. Self-control will be an important part of the message we will read on in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. They have sin, iniquity, and they wander. That's the reason. And so he won't hear the prayers, he won't accept the offerings. You notice they're still religious, right? They're still making the offerings. They're still praying out to him. There is a form of godliness, but it doesn't please him. It doesn't push aside what he has planned for them because it's not deep in the heart. It's on the surface. Now, as you read on, you read about the other prophets I was telling you about, verse 13. Then I said, Jeremiah says, after he hears this from the Lord, don't even pray for this people. He says, then I said, ah, Lord God, behold, the prophets say to them, you shall not see the sword, nor shall you have famine, but I will give you assured peace in this place. True peace, that word means. I will give you true peace in this place. That's what the prophets are saying. And here I'm saying something opposite from them, Jeremiah says. And he doesn't understand it. A short peace, true peace. Remember, this is being done in the context 
of chosen Israel. Not some pagan nation, not some nation like Egypt or Syria that goes after other gods. These people are sacrificing, they're offering. Now, you read earlier on in Jeremiah chapter 7 that they're still offering incense to other gods at the same time. They still have a muddied form of religion, but their central god is Yahweh. And these false prophets, as news is starting to come of what's going on in the world around them, the false prophets are telling them, nothing's going to happen to you. You shall not see the sword. You're not going to have famine. You're not going to have anything but peace, a short, true peace. And you can perhaps imagine what they said. They might have said to them, you are the children of Abraham. You are the children of the covenant with God. Were they? Yes, right? God has a special love for you. He parted the Red Sea for you. He drowned the Egyptians for you. He made the walls of Jericho come down for you. Joshua could speak the word and the sun stood still in the sky for you. Did he? Yes. He can, by a word of his mouth, open the ground and swallow up these Babylonians, the Assyrians, or any enemy against you. And can he? Of course he can. Isn't he Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider? Isn't he Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace, true peace? Isn't he Jehovah Eloi Israel, the Lord, the God of Israel, not the God of the Babylonians? So why fear those Babylonians? Why fear them? Now, that's a true message. You've heard me preach that message here many times. And he indeed would give them a short peace in that place, right, many centuries later with Jesus Christ. Is their God a God of peace? Is he the shelter and strength? Yes. But listen, this is the important part. This is where people get confused. This is where their confusion becomes so great that it becomes a testimony to the prophet Jeremiah throughout all the centuries. It isn't just the truth. It's not only the truth of what you say, but the truth of its application to the situation. And listen, the whole truth, not just part. The whole truth. The false prophets could have been saying things. They're not saying things like the cultic Egyptian prophets. They could have been saying things that were 100% true, but they were only part of the story. Because God was very mad at those people. And while all the things that they were saying could be true, it wasn't going to change the outcome. And the people might have enjoyed it, they might have liked it, but it didn't help them at all. It was to their eternal confusion. And it requires maturity to understand to understand the Word of God and the truth of God and the application, and not just part, but the whole. They're not speaking about Baal or Malik or Asherah. They're speaking about the one true God who does indeed love Israel. But maybe given the state of Judah, they would have been better reminding the people that 20 miles north of Jerusalem, there was a city named 
Shiloh, right? the ruins of which speak of God's judgment on sin and that he is no respecter of persons, even if it is his covenant children, Israel. Now, Jeremiah did. If you look back in Jeremiah chapter 7, Jeremiah did. If you go down to verse 11, Jeremiah 7, verse 11, Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of thieves in your eyes? Behold, I, even I, have seen it, says the Lord. But now, go to my place, which was in Shiloh where I set my name at first, and see what I did to it because of the wickedness of my people Israel. Shiloh, the place where it belongs. Ephraim, Ephraim, the place, the son of Joseph, the one to whom the tabernacle was to go first, right? Eli, Eli's sons. We all know we studied this account some time back. We know what happened there. It was the chosen place before Jerusalem. The ark is taken into captivity and goes into the pagan land because of their sin. But now go to my place, which was in Shiloh. He tells them, see what I did to it because of the wickedness of my people Israel. And now, and now because you have done all these works, says the Lord, and I spoke to you, rising up early and speaking, but you did not hear. And I called you, but you did not answer. Therefore, I will do in the house which is called by my name, in which you trust, and to this place which I gave to you and your fathers, as I have done to Shiloh. And I will cast you out of my sight, as I cast out all your brethren, the whole posterity of Ephraim. Therefore, do not pray for this people. And again, he says, do not make a decision for them. Shiloh was a stunning example that even as the parting of the Red Sea and the falling of the walls of Jericho and the sun stopping in the sky was a testimony of the unlimited love that God has and the power he has for his people, Shiloh was a testimony to the righteousness of God and his justice even unto his people. Peter would say judgment starts in the house of God. Let's go back to chapter 14 again, to the false prophets. In chapter 14, we read verse 13. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, the prophets say to them, You shall not see the sword, nor shall you have famine, but I will give you a short peace in this place. And what does the Lord answer? Verse 14. And the Lord said to me, The prophets prophesy lies in my name. I have not sent them, commanded them, nor spoken to them. They prophesy to you a false vision. Remember, we're talking about the gift of prophecy. They prophesy to you a false vision, divination. It becomes like divination, a worthless thing and the deceit of the heart. The deceit of the heart, worthless thing, false vision, divination, the deceit of the heart. When we can only hear the truth when it's happy, it's comforting, and it's not warning, it's not alarming, it's not convicting, it becomes to us a deceit of the heart. It becomes a worthless thing, it becomes a false vision. 
They feed the people food, the false prophets, that looks very good and very pleasing on the surface, but inside it's filled with maggots and tapeworms. So what does God say? Verse 15. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who prophesy in my name, they're coming in the name of the Lord, whom I did not send, and who say sword and famine shall not be in this land. By sword and famine those prophets shall be consumed. And the people to whom they prophesy shall be cast out in the streets of Jerusalem because of the famine and the sword. They will have no one to bury them, them nor their wives, their sons nor their daughters, for I will pour their wickedness on them. Therefore you shall say this word to them, Let my eyes flow with tears night and day, and let them not cease for the virgin daughter of my people. God does care for them. But the virgin daughter of my people has been broken with a mighty stroke, with a very severe blow. If I go out to the field, then behold those slain with the sword. And if I enter the city, then behold those sick from famine. Yes, both prophet and priest go about in a land they do not know. Those that are not killed, the leaders, the priests, the prophets will be taken up and brought over to Babylon, a land they do not know. And it will come about. And it did come about. Visit us on the Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle YouTube channel. The Sunday message is live streamed at 10.30 a.m. You will find a link at shiarjeshub.org.